15, verse number 1 to, to 7. Now the Spirit of God came upon Azariah, son of Oded, and he went out to meet Asa, and he said to him, Hear me, Asa, all Judah and Benjamin, the Lord is with you while you are with him. If you seek him, he will be found. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. For a long time, Israel has been without the true God, without a teaching priest, and without the law. Hallelujah. But when in trouble, they turned to the Lord God of Israel and sought him, and he was found by them. And in those times, there was no peace to the one who went out, nor to the one who came in. But great turmoil was on all the inhabitants of the land. Lands. So nations was destroyed. So, so nation was destroyed by nation and city by city. For God troubled them without, with every adversity. But you be strong and do not let your hands be weak. For your work shall be rewarded. Here ends the reading of his holy word. Now we have been talking about seeking God, being resolute in our pursuit of God. Hallelujah. And we have talked about a few guys. Now there's something interesting that I wanted you to look at before we start. If you look at Second Chronicles, we've been looking at Second Chronicles 29, isn't it? But if you start from 2 Chronicles, let's go to maybe 26. So let's run through from 26 to 29 in five minutes. Can we do that? So 2 Chronicles 26, verse 1. The people of Judah took Uzziah, Uzziah and uh, he was 16, and they made him king instead of his father. Go on, quickly, quickly, we are running. He restored Judah. He rested with his fathers. Go, go quickly, quickly, quickly. I'm not reading everything, so just, so we are looking at it. He did what was right, no, go back. He did what was right <laughs> in the sight of the Lord. And go on, what did he do? He sought the Lord in the days of Zechariah, and he had understanding of vision, and okay. Now go to chapter 26, 27. So this guy did what was right, because he sought God, isn't it? 27, Jotham was 25 years old. He became king, he reigned. 16 years from Jerusalem, his mother was something. Go on, quickly. He did what was right in the sight of God, according to Isaiah. Why? He did, although he did not enter the temple. So he was doing right, but he didn't enter the temple. Go to the next guy. He was watching online services. <laughs> Go to 20, 28. So Ahaz was 25 years, 20 years, and uh, he became king. He reigned for 16 years. He did not do what was right in the sight of the Lord as his father. You remember I was, I was talking about him last week. He built the idols, the molding images. Can you see that? Then we talk 29, we'll go to our man, Hezekiah. Remember? And he did what was right in the sight of God because he sought the Lord. 
So it's like we've just run through a little summary of the kings. If you go back all the way to maybe start from 15, 16, uh, Second Chronicles, you see all the guys came and their judgment or they, when they are, you put them together, the scale is, did they do right by God or did they not? And how do, they, how do we summarize whether they did right in the eyes of God is whether they sought God. And you see, it is not just these kings. For all of us, the summary of our judgment was, did we see God or not? You know, if you read the, 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 this account, you would think that all they did was you became king at a certain age, who your mother was, and this, these are the three things you did. So for the 25 years, for the 50 years, for the 17 years that you were reigning, what did you do? Now, these guys were busy. They were doing a lot of things. But all the things that we're doing were not really necessary when it comes to God. So sometimes the things that we call as necessary in the eyes of God, he has not even seen it. Hallelujah. Because it is about what you do for him, how you seek him. That is how you are going to be judged. And the story we just read, he, the, 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 the prophet was telling, uh, was giving a summary of the whole of Israel. He said that Israel was without a teaching prophet, a teaching priest. So they had a certain loose relationship with God. They forgot God. The reason why sometimes we forget to seek God is because we don't have a teaching priest. Amen. You can have a prophet, you can have a pastor, you can have everything, but do you have a teaching priest? I was saying it, was it the other day, that one of the reasons why we don't seek God is because we don't have a teacher. Because without a teacher, you will not. And a lot of us, we have this tendency of thinking, oh, I can, I, I can serve God in my heart. I can stay at home and worship God. I can read the Bible for myself. I will get my own revelations. Yeah. But you see that Israel was getting their own revelations, but their hearts were far away from God. Because they didn't have a teaching priest. Hallelujah. So they, their relationship with God was not what it ought to be. Amen. Today I want us to talk about hindrances in our pursuit or hindrances in our seeking. Of God in our pursuit of God and uh, hindrance is a big word so let's define it so hindrance is a state of interference or being held back hallelujah so it's something you want to do but you are being held back by something so we want to see God but some things or a few things we'll be discussing we want to pursue God, but they, they hinder our search. Amen. Amen. And um, sometimes it's not that they hinder, but they slow it down. So we are seeking God, but some things slows our search, our pursuit down. Jesus gave a parable of the sower, and he said that one of them fell on the, on the ground and the birds of the air came and ate it, took it away. 
Some also fell on thorny ground and it began to sprout. But the cares of this world, the issues of life, the deceitfulness of riches choked the word so that it did not bring forth. Sometimes we really want to serve God. We really want to do something for God. We are trying, but the cares of this world, you know, the issues of life, like praise was giving her testimony. You, are, you know, she's, she wants to serve God. She wants to do evangelism. She wants to do a lot of things. But, the, you know, she's homeless. <laughs> As she said. <laughs> so, don't bother me about evangelism today. Don't talk about quiet time and prayer today. You don't know what I'm going through. So the pastor is calling and she can see the phone ringing, but she's not interested in picking the phone. Because the issues of life, the issues of life, they are choking. You know, hand on heart, she wants to serve God. She loves God. She wants to do well for God. But then the pressures of life, they are choking the air out of her lungs where God is concerned. Are you with me? So, they, these things have a way of hindering our pursuit of God. Let me give you a few um, definitions of hindrances before I tell you what the, these hindrances can be. I have about 26, but I won't give you all of it. <laughs> Hallelujah. Things that hinder us. There are a few things that hinder us. Amen. The first thing I want to talk about, the definition. Oh, I haven't finished the definition. Okay, so anything that retards, anything that slows down, anything that holds you back, anything that makes you forget. So anything that holds you back or slows you down or interferes. Hallelujah. Any of these things have a way of making you sometimes a, a pressing need just comes and takes away your pursuit of God. Some things are urgent but not necessarily important. Some things are important but they don't look urgent. The difference if you can understand the difference, you will do well in life. Are you, are you understanding? They are important things. Important things must be given their, their place, their priority, because they are important. They may not look urgent, but they are important. For instance, your relationship with God, it may not look urgent, but it's very important. The phone call that is ringing may sound urgent, but it's not important. As a pastor, I've learned to understand that a phone call is not as important as the prayer that I have to pray. Because the, prayer, the phone call is urgent, 
but not necessary. It's not, it's not important because I can do it later. What is important is my communion. It is like me as a phone. Imagine me as a phone. If I'm not charged, how useful will I be to you? You want to press and look on the internet on me. Meanwhile, my battery is running low. And you are angry that I am not coming on for you because I need to charge. Well, I need to charge so that I can be of value to you. Importance versus urgent. Seeking God is important. Your, your going around to go and meet somebody may not be urgent. may not be important, important, but it may be very urgent. But it's not important. Amen. So the hindrance is, the first hindrance is unconfessed sin, secret sins. Unconfessed sins and secret sins. They are hindrances. Have you ever tried to receive a, a very important phone call and the network is just giving a glitch so you can't really hear the person? Meanwhile, this is a very important, you know, is there any use an, a, a, a certain type of phone that the network, no, the phone, they, they want you to buy a new one. So when it's old, they start to make glitches on it. I won't mention names because I don't want to be sued. But then they want you to buy the latest one. So they begin to put interferences in your phone. Because you are trying to, you have gone for an interview and they are calling you back. You don't know, they want to tell you something. And it's the most important thing you want to hear. Hello, church. Hello, are you dead? That's hindrance to your progress. In the same way, our unconfessed sins are like the glitches in our communication with God. God cannot hear us when we are dirty in his sight. You know, when you want to go to Buckingham Palace, there are protocols. They will tell you when you come a certain type of clothing to wear. Do you understand? A certain type of tie to wear. How to tie your, your, the knots. You know, like what I'm wearing now, I will not be allowed in. There are some restaurants you go, you don't have a tie on, you will not be allowed in. You have uh, trainers or jeans, forget it, they are not allowing you in. Are you getting it? Because there are protocols in the place. Am I making sense? In the same way, coming to God, who shall ascend unto the hill of the Lord? Who shall come to the presence of the Lord? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. So if you don't have clean hands, forget it. You cannot come in. You can close your eyes and pray. But the fact that you are praying doesn't mean that you are in his presence. Because God is a God of principles. 
And the principal is not a respecter of persons. The first prayer he's going to hear from anybody is a prayer of confession. Prayer of cleansing. So the prophet said that if you seek God, he will come near to you. If you don't, he will move away from you. Hallelujah. One of the things we do as Christians is as soon as we know we have sinned, we don't want to pray. Tell somebody he's talking about you now. And if you feel that it's you, say, mm. okay. So I know I'm preaching to the right church. <laughs> Hallelujah. Unconfessed sins. And apart from unconfessed sins, there are secret sins. These are sins that you think nobody knows. You get away with it. You've been lasting after somebody's wife. It is only you that knows. No, no, she, she doesn't even know. So <laughs> you're lasting over someone's husband. Let me go on before some people spot my message. Acts chapter 3 verse 19. <laughs> Repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so the times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. The instruction is that we need to confess our sins. Amen. So, uh, so that he will blot because with your sin he cannot see you. He cannot come into your, you cannot come into his presence. So whatever you want to say, he will not hear it. Hallelujah. But the Bible says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. But if we don't confess our sins, it means they were calling him a liar. First John chapter 1, 8, 9. If we say we have not sinned, the truth is not in us. And we make him a liar. Amen. So it is time, one of the things you must do all the time is to make sure that you are sin free. And the way to make sure you are sin free is to live a life that you always confess your sins where on a daily basis. See, David was not the best in terms of holiness and righteousness, but David was a master at confessing his sins before the Lord all the time. He was a master at it. In, in Psalm 51, verse uh, 10, he says that create in me a clean heart and renew this right spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence or take the Holy Spirit away from me. Restore the joy of my salvation and uphold me with your generous spirit. Hallelujah. He says that for me to stay in your presence, 
I need to be clean. So he said, I make sure, Lord, I, I beg you, check me, check me, check me. He says that, check me. If there be any wicked way in me, then reveal it so that I can confess quickly. Because I need to stand in your presence all the time. I need to have a certain, because I want to seek you. And the barrier or the hindrance towards my seeking of God is unconfessed sins. Hallelujah. You know, God told Adam and Eve that in the day, in Genesis 2, 17, the day that you shall eat of this fruit, you shall surely die. Hallelujah. The day that you eat this thing, you will die. When Adam and Eve ate the fruit, they didn't die physically, but spiritually they died. Their relationship with God died. In the same way, sin kills the relationship. Hallelujah. Sin has a way of killing our relationship with God. And the wages of sin is death. Once we sin, we trigger the wages of sin. And once the wages of sin comes in, it means that the relationship has been killed. Hallelujah. The relationship has died. But, somebody say but. But we can always resurrect the relationship by confessing our sins all the time. It doesn't mean, doesn't give us a guarantee to keep sinning and confessing, sinning and confessing. No. Hallelujah. But it's so that we, are, we have a certain mind, a certain presence of mind that we, God consciousness, that we need to stay pure where God is concerned. Amen. Number two, quickly. Number two is the lack of faith. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, it says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. For anyone who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Hallelujah. Without faith, you cannot seek God. And in our day of seeing is believing, I need to experience it before I can accept it. In our day and age of, we want to reality, reality show, we have to see it to, to believe it. It takes and kills away, kills our faith. And lack of faith has a way to hinder us from our pursuit of God. Because really, anytime you come to God or you want to go to God, you must have faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. So in Hebrews 11, says that by faith, the elders obtained a good report. Hallelujah. By faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, verse 1. For by it, verse 2, the elders obtained a good report. What will give you a good report where God is concerned is your believing in what you haven't seen. Because faith is a substance of things hoped for. The evidence, you don't have it. But you know that if he has said it, he will do it. You believe in what he says. Hallelujah. Number three. The third thing. 
is keep removing the idols from your heart. Taking away idols or, or keeping idols in your heart is something that will make you, will hinder you from What is an idol? At this juncture, one may ask, what meaneth an idol? An idol is a person, a thing that you greatly admire or revere. An image or representation of God. Hallelujah. Something that you hold in place of God is an idol. So, some of us is money. Money is what makes you tick. Money money is your God. I think I'll go and preach this side. It will be better. It's all about money. Some two is a woman. The woman has your, your whole life. If she says, no more church, no more church. If the woman says, no more praying, no more praying. Says that no more going to evangelism. Because she is your God. God said, I am the go- your God that brought you out of Egypt. You shall have no other God apart from me. Hallelujah. Excellent. Give me my scripture. Exodus 20. It says that, verse 2, I'm in verse 2. I am the God who brought you out of Egypt, out of bondage. Go on quickly. You shall have no other gods before me. Go on. You shall not make yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or in the earth beneath or in the water. You shall not bow down or serve them, for I am your God. Hallelujah. Some of us. We serve mere human beings. Some of us, your job is your idol. When God says, and your work says, you choose your work. If your boss says that from today, I want you to work every Sunday morning. You will come and give a list of reasons why you can. So I have, I will watch on YouTube. I'm not saying you must not work, but important versus urgent. This workplace that you have made an idol, what? Tomorrow you go, they'll say you have been retrenched, they've sacked you. 
They will say the company is in administration. And then you are the first or you've been fellowed. Hallelujah. See, don't treasure anything more than God. You know, God always kept on telling the Israelites in Deuteronomy 28 that you shall remember, remember not to forget. Remember not to forget your God. Because there's a tendency for us to forget. There's a tendency for us to have an idol. There's a tendency to place something more important in our hearts. See, before you start criticizing these kings that came, that uh, did, was, uh, did side, right in the sight of God or, or did not do right in the sight of God or did this in the sight or did, did that in the sight of God, is because it, it's a picture of you and I. It's a picture of you and I. The pressures that came on them made them create the image. Because the people say that we want to be like the others. So give us an image. We want to be as beautiful as all the other girls. So give us five hours hair braiding. Or nine hours. That is why I'm going this side. You have never spent two minutes to pray. But you can spend five hours or nine hours doing your hair. Let me go and stand. I know you people don't think I'm a priest, but I am a priest. Understand? <laughs> Hallelujah. Let me stand here and behave myself. I don't want trouble. Amen. We, 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 we prioritize things that cannot hold water. Hallelujah. You have never prayed three hours before, but the minimum you spend doing makeup is three hours. That's an idol right there. Some of us, the mirror is our idol. Every time. I don't know why they do that. The Bible says that the biggest mirror we have is the word. Genesis, uh, sorry, James chapter 1. The mirror of the word. You haven't looked in it, but you have been spending five hours. If it is, you say, mm. it's okay. Mm, it's an insurance. <laughs> if the seat is getting hot, just move a little bit and say, hmm. It's all right. You have put the, the, the mirror as your idol instead of the word of God. You have never looked in the word of God, but you have looked in the mirror. 
today. Some of us, when we don't have a mirror, the phone becomes your mirror. You put it, you use a camera. I, I didn't give a gender. I never said a woman, a lady, did I? So, yeah, I don't see. Me, why have now your quiet time? If you want to preach to your neighbor, wait for me to finish. Then you can preach to your neighbor your own message. I don't want problems. Never ever have anything that takes the place of God. As soon as you wake up out of bed, who do you speak to? Some of us in social media. That is your 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 image. TikTok. Who is saying what? And what are they doing? Twitter. Instagram. What has gone viral? No, I haven't done your quiet time. The last time I did your quiet time was three months ago. Let me move on. Point number four. (laughs) Point number four, quickly. Quickly, I don't want problems. Why do I keep moving? Let me stand where people are more spiritual so I don't have problems. Number four, unforgiveness and bitterness. You know, when unforgiveness matures, it becomes bitterness. When bitterness matures, it becomes clamor. Hallelujah. There are some people when they mention their names, your blood begins to boil. Because they did something to you about 16 years ago. And you haven't forgotten. As I'm preaching, me myself, I've just remembered one. I remember this particular guy. I was in school. And I was very ill. Very, very sick. And I was going on my way to the, the sick bay. And this guy called me. And he started to beat me. And you know, my body was so sore and so weak. This was, it was not the beating. But the the time and the way I was. I mean, I was ill. You could see visibly that I was ill. I've never forgiven. 
So as I was preaching, I just remembered, I'll forgive him now. <laughs> and you see, the anointing was that we lived in the same area. So it was not like I was a stranger to him. And his younger sister was my very close friend. That guy. <laughs> and he's like this, this tall. <laughs> but you see, uh, it sounds like a joke, but for some of us, something as little as that, you have kept it. This story happened around 1982. I haven't forgotten it. I can tell exactly where I was standing when this guy started it. <laughs> 41 years ago, I haven't forgotten it. A lot of people beat me in school. I don't remember any of them, but this particular guy. <laughs> so it becomes unforgiveness that grows into bitterness. The man left you. He promised he was going to marry you. Then he married your best friend. It has been 20 years. You have been praying that they would, that they would divorce. And they are growing. Their children are now grown. As you are praying, they are prospering even the more. They just bought a brand new house and a brand new car. Now, it, it, it makes you, now when you hear the name, your blood begins to boil. You have done all the curses and it looks like the curse didn't work. The more you curse, the more they are getting blessed. But Jesus said that, forgive. He said in the prayer, the Lord's prayer, he said that, forgive us as we forgive those who trespass against us. Hallelujah. The only way God is going to forgive you your own sin is when you learn to forgive others. See, forgiveness is a medication you take for yourself and not for the person. Because as you are boiling and your blood is boiling, the person has even forgotten. See, that's this story I'm telling you, if you ask the guy, he'll probably say, I don't remember. Are you sure? It wasn't me. Because I remember I've told the sister before. I'll be at your brother. That guy. <laughs> I'm sure he'll say, I don't remember. Or is that, oh, it didn't happen like that. I didn't know he was ill. I wouldn't have touched him. Am I making sense? Because sometimes when what we don't realize is that the thing that you are you are so offended about, the guy probably doesn't see the way you have seen it. To them, it was not like that. He he never he never he he took my friend instead of me. But I also never told you I loved you. You assumed. I never said anything. 
Okay, let's move on because it looks like I'm, I'm spoiling the church. <laughs> Sometimes what we get offended about is because of where we are standing. We see our point of view may not be the total. You are seeing something that really is not there. Hallelujah. So forgiveness and medication you take for yourself, not for anybody. That is why Jesus said that if you are coming to worship and you remember that you have something against somebody, leave your sacrifice there and go and make peace. Sort it out with a person. Hallelujah. Learn to sort out things because it becomes something that hinders you. Hallelujah. Bible says that husbands live peaceably with your wives so that your prayers will not be hindered. So the quarrel between husband and wife hinders our prayers. Some wives think that it means that the, it's only the husband's prayer will be hindered, but they don't realize that he never said the husband's prayer. Your prayer means both of you. I will quarrel with you so that your prayers will be hindered. <laughs> okay. Okay. First Peter 3 7. <laughs> I don't have problems, so you are leading me bad. This is not a good place to stand and preach. Show honor to the woman as God. Next verse. Weaker verses. Okay, go on. So that your prayers be not hindered. Hallelujah. Uh, okay. So please, I beg you, do not allow offense. Number, what number are we on? Number five. Let's finish quickly. Disobedience. Willful disobedience to the word. Hallelujah. Second Samuel 15. Has God got delight? Does God have delight in sacrifices? No. To obey is better than to sacrifice. Hallelujah. Obedience is better than fasting and praying. It's better to obey the word that we have read. To obey the word of God. Than 10 hours of prayer. Hallelujah. It is important that we obey. Did I say 2nd Samuel? It's 1st Samuel. Sorry. 1st Samuel. 15. 22. Not 2nd Samuel. Has God the delight in burnt offerings as in obeying the voice of the Lord? No, to obey is better than to sacrifice. Hallelujah. It's better for us to obey the word. Amen. How many are going to obey the word? It's better to be obedient to what God says. What God tells you must obey. Amen. Number six. Quickly, let's finish. Carnality. Romans chapter 8 verse 6 to 11. Carnality. 
hinders our To be carnally minded is death. Where did we hear that before? In the day that you eat of this fruit, you will die. To be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is what? Life and peace. Because the carnal mind is an enemy or enmity between, against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, or indeed can be. Hallelujah. So that we who are in the flesh cannot please God. Are you put, put the scripture there. I'm reading the scripture. You are, you are showing my. But you are not in the flesh. But in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Now if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ. He is not his. To be carnally minded. All you, ha- you think about is, I feel, I feel, I want. How many have that thing? You feel, don't feel like talking to anybody. You don't feel like, yeah, I'm in my, my, my mood, my mood. It, it's, it's a very carnal thing. I don't feel like going to church. If all you, the thing that moves you is your feeling all the time, your emotions, your flesh. We are fasting, no? I'm hungry. It's all about what the flesh wants. That thing hinders us from getting closer to God. I always say that there's, man is a three-part being, isn't it? Yes. You have your, the real you here, your flesh on the left, and the spirit on the right. The one that controls you is who you are. So if the flesh controls you, it means your real person is being dragged, and the spirit is also following. If the spirit is dragging then your real person drags and the flesh, you feel hungry but you must fast so you are fasting. You feel like barbecue but they say it's fasting so you are fasting. So you cancel barbecue on the spot. Hallelujah. Number seven, let's go home. (laughs) Indiscipline. One of the greatest hindrances of our service to God and our relationship with God is hindrance is indiscipline. Indiscipline. The reason why we can't have quiet time consistently is because we are not disciplined. The reason why we can't pray all the time is because we are not disciplined. The reason why we can't be in church all the time is because we are not disciplined. Hallelujah. The reason why we struggle. To obey because we don't have any discipline. First Corinthians chapter 9, this is what Paul says. Do you not know that they who run in a race or run all, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you obtain it. If anyone competes for the prize and is 
is anyone competing for the prize is disciplined. The word temperate is disciplined in all things. Now, they do not obtain, a, they do that to obtain a perishable crown, but we, an imperishable crown. Therefore, I run thus, not as uncertainty, but I fight as, not as one who beats the air. I discipline my body and bring it under subjection, lest when I preach to others, I myself become disqualified. One of the things that disqualifies us is indiscipline. Hallelujah. Let's learn to be disciplined. Some of us, discipline comes naturally on certain things. Some of us, discipline is not part of us. We can't naturally rebellious to anything. (laughs) How many, not you, but you know somebody like that. It's not you. It cannot be you. You can't be in this place. Hallelujah. But I pray that we will not allow these things to hinder us. I pray that you and I will be qualified. It will be, uh, Shelly Caesar said something one day. She said that I don't want to live in hell and die and go to hell. Because living in the world is hell. And then die and go to hell. That's a double whammy. <laughs> I, I, I want to live and go, die and go to heaven. So whatever I need to do to make it, I want to do to that to make it. Hallelujah. Because incidentally, hell is eternity. Heaven is eternity. Life is temporary. Hallelujah. And you cannot use a temporary thing to make. It's like being in school. It's a very temporary thing. Life after school is an eternal thing. So you are going for a nightclub instead of studying. Then you end up not making the grade so that you have an eternity of not making I I don't know whether I'm making sense. It is better to discipline yourself study now for the long term. It's only a temporary situation you are going through. Everybody is going to the party but you have to sit in your room and study. Just do that. It's only for a short time. After that, eternity of party, if you want, stand to your feet. 